0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro. Harley hour what's happening everybody thank you so much for joining us this week my name is ken m joining me in studio as always you know him he's a co-host his name is padawan J. hello 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 folks we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports and we definitely want to get the conversation rolling so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. Check out Parlay Points. New blogs count anywhere. is out right now. The T Public Store, which had a massive weekend this past weekend. So thank you, everybody, who came and supported the shop. And the podcast is a lot of stuff was flying out the door. So super excited about that. The directory, the classified section, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. But kicking off this edition of the podcast, we have to recap a weekend of pro wrestling yeah. that caught the eyes of pop culture. Yep. And what we mean by this is, obviously, we have been following the WWE transition from Vince McMahon to Triple H and what was going to be unfolding on television after that. Because obviously, with Vince McMahon stepping down after how many years of his vision of the brand that took it, to a place that I don't think few thought would ever get to, but Mm -hmm. obviously it's now become such a mass market business. And to see how his fall from grace has now caused the hand to get turned over to Triple H and his vision of wrestling and business. A lot of fans have been super excited to see what we're going to get. The first real showcase of this was this past Saturday with WWE SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, you got some stats ready for that?
1: Uh, yeah, so SummerSlam took place obviously this past Saturday uh, from Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and it was a packed house or nearly packed house. I know they had an announced attendance of 48,449, but probably not. They like to inflate those numbers uh, a little bit. Uh, from what I've read, around 40,000, which is still, hey, for a football stadium. Pretty damn good. Uh, We're going to talk about the card and what went down in the first match. They opened with this, which hot open uh, was the matchup for the Raw Women's Championship. And you had Bianca Belair defending her belt against Becky Lynch, where you had Bianca Torres pinning Becky in 15 minutes and 10 seconds.
0: So this was a perfect way to kick off a stadium show. Like you say, the SummerSlam card is always one of the big premium live. I got to remember, we can't say pay-per-view anymore. Mm -hmm. Events that the WWE runs. And with Triple H, the son-in-law to Vince McMahon, legendary wrestler who is always credited with his creative mind and booking for what he did with the NXT farm system, is now in charge of the total WWE product. A lot of eyes were waiting to see how the show was going to kick off, and it kicked off perfectly with Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. They have had a storied rivalry in the WWE since last SummerSlam, ironically, Mm -hmm. where Becky Lynch came back from maternity leave and defeated Bianca in relatively record time.
1: 26 seconds.
0: And they have been really building up the storyline since. So when they kicked off with the show, we knew it was going to be a great match, and they delivered on it. Yeah, they did. Bianca Belair is arguably the best pure athlete mm-hmm. in WWE mm-hmm. maybe in all professional wrestling
1: and it's deceptive because you see some of the stuff she can do and just some of the the feats of strength she can do mm-hmm. and just from looking at her you go you don't think that's possible yeah it, it's it's honestly incredible
0: no she is just absolutely gifted with her athleticism it, like i say it's just crazy to see her in the ring and what she can do she winds up winning with a second rope Spanish fly flip mm-hmm. that she goes into the K.O.D. finish, and that was a super one-two in this match. Though it is noteworthy that Becky Lynch did get hurt.
1: Yeah, within the first couple of minutes of the of the match, it sounds like, uh, because and, and she said she wrestled twenty minutes of the match with a separated shoulder, but I, as I read to you, the match was fifteen minutes and ten seconds. So I would say probably just using her kind of like ratio math probably within the first five minutes or so, you know, she had separated her shoulder and continued to wrestle the match with a separated shoulder. She took a weird bump. I did
0: did notice that early, but then with the finish, when she came down, it looked like she crashed right on her shoulder. Mm -hmm. And you did see something that looked like it became a jar. So somewhere in that velocity that happened because it was moving so fast. The match was a perfect pace to kick off the show. Bianca wins. Becky gives a sportsmanship handshake. Yeah. Goes out of the ring. Yep. And
1: then we get one of the bigger
0: surprises of the night.
1: Yeah, so some music hits, and everyone gets real excited because it's Bailey. Mm -hmm. Bailey's back. She's been out for, I think, almost a calendar year now, if not a little over a calendar year. uh, Because she had, I forget, I think it was a knee injury or something. I believe
0: it was ACL, but yeah, it was something in that variation.
1: Something down in that neck of the woods. Uh, So her music hits, everyone's all excited. Bailey's back. She's coming down to the ring. She's, of course, still heel, still talking, still trash talking. And then some other music hits, and it's music we haven't heard in quite a while, and and music I don't think any of us ever would have figured we heard on the main roster. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out who it is because I haven't heard in a while, so I couldn't recognize it at first. And then I see you know, their quote-unquote Titantron, where their entrance, you know, Titantron, and I go, oh, shit. And I start yelling, oh, my God, it's Dakota Kai. And I was watching with my girlfriend, you know, Liz Bailey. She goes, who? I go, Dakota Kai. I go, she was on NXT. I go, she got released. I go. She got let go a couple of months ago, and I'm freaking the fuck out.
0: Well, one thing we got to remember too is in Triple H's tenure with the company, he had to step away to deal with complications from a heart issue. Mm-hmm. So while he was gone, his duties at NXT were m- removed and yeah, they were huh. handed over to Vince McMahon and and people Kevin under Dunn, his, and, yeah. and people under his regime. During which there was a lot of moving and shaking with the roster. Mm -hmm. And a lot of wrestlers were released, and the vision of NXT was recreated. But one of the wrestlers that stood out under the Triple H regime was Dakota Kai, Uh who, much like Bayley, came in with a very babyface gimmick, as they say, the good good, uh, wrestlers. Yeah. You know, if you want to take it back to traditional good versus bad. And when they turned her heel... She rivaled Bailey, ironically, with how well she made that transition to becoming a full heel yeah. on the roster of, of yeah. you know, a bad wrestler, if you will. Yeah. So that said, seeing her come back to the company after she was released was a big move.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And,
0: Huge and one that makes perfect sense. Pairing her with Bailey, mm-hmm. I think, is a great way to introduce her to the main roster because, as we've talked about here, and we've talked about six seven TWS there is a disconnect from NXT to regular raw and SmackDown viewers mm-hmm. that a lot of them don't think that NXT is on par and it's the minor league system and they don't really follow it as well.
1: My cousin is one of them, you know, my cousin who has been watching, you know, pro wrestling, maybe as long as you have, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking with him, you know, a couple of months ago, you know, or a couple of years ago, I should say, you know, cause this is before the NXT 2.0 change, but I was just talking about how good, you know, the takeover was, you know, the, previous weekend he goes oh i don't really watch i go what he goes yeah no that's that's the minor leagues he goes that's developmental i don't i don't spend my time watching that. i'm like dude you're missing some of the best wrestling on tv oh absolutely you know so like you said there's that disconnect to somebody who's a long time raw and smackdown viewer not giving to you know what's about you know nxt
0: and we also have to say as much as we all don't pay attention to the ratings because they don't matter to us Mm -hmm. but if you want to get a temp in the room quickly NXT kind of hovers around 350,000 to 500,000. Yeah. Give, give take for a viewing in comparison yeah. to the million plus on Raw and the two, three millions that watch SmackDown. So mm-hmm. like we said, it's a perfect way to introduce an NXT wrestler that a lot of people forgot about. And bringing her back with Bailey is a perfect way to do this. But she wasn't the only debut that came back.
1: No. Uh, also making her main roster debut, and this was very, also very interesting to me, was Io Shirai at NXT, now known as Io Sky. Although, boy, the confusion with that was confusing. Uh, what was it? The, the comment at one main announcer for Raw said Io Shirai the Titan Tron entranceway said Io, they used their NXT EO Shirai thing but then Corey Graves was saying EO Sky so that was confusing for mm-hmm. a bit but yeah no Eos Shirai uh, now EO Sky also joined Dakota Kai and Bayley uh, in their little faction whatever they're calling themselves we don't have a name uh, on the main roster and this was long overdue and this was very much a surprise because it had been reported and kind of rumored in the weeks leading up to SummerSlam uh, that Eos Shirai's contract was coming up and that they had offered her an extension And reportedly, she had not signed the extension. So, and there were rumors floating around that she was thinking about going, you know, going the Kyrie Same route. That she wanted to go back home because she is from Japan, wanted to be closer to her family. Mm -hmm. So, the fact that she showed up on, uh, so I'm freaking out watching with my girlfriend about Dakota Kai showing up. I hear Io Shirai's music hit, which is one of my more favorite NXT intro themes because that one, that one when it hits, you go, oh shit, like uh, stuff's about to kick off. Her music hit, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I go, I thought she wasn't re-signing, and well, guess she is.
0: Yeah, we had the watch party here with the ODPH studio, and Rich from 3FN and 607 TVS came down, Crazy Curtis Gaming, the dog mm-hmm. came down, and all of us were really blown away by this yeah. because seeing EO Sky come out was a big move, too, because she has been somebody that has been long-rumored to make the appearance up to the main roster. And, she,
1: and I guess she's wanted it for a while, too. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely, because
0: I think a lot of times when the talent is in NXT... You either think that it's its own separate brand Mm -hmm. or the ultimate goal is to get up to the main roster. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think everybody that's in pro wrestling to a degree wants to be in the WWE. I mean, there's some that don't, but I'm saying the majority of people that have grown up watching the brand and want to get here from all around the world, that is a goal that they have because you are really tested upon the best of the best in the WWE. Yeah, not saying the other federations don't have great talent, but there's always something about the legend of the mm-hmm. WWE and get into that main roster. Skye had this, and Skye had been long overdue to get up here because of the work she's done in NXT. She's mm-hmm. phenomenal. it's one of the best. The stuff that she can do on, off the top rope, is just completely <sighs> mind-blowing. Yeah. So to see those three together, that was a huge statement that Triple H wanted to make.
1: And it had come out after the show was over, that at one point along the way... Bailey had pitched this faction to Vince, and then Vince, for whatever reason, we don't know, Vince didn't do it. But here we are with this, and i got to say, only having seen it for two nights now, I'm fucking all in. Oh, absolutely.
0: Well, that's the one thing that we are really going to kind of benchmark with this segment as we're recapping SmackDown and Monday Night Raw under Triple H. It's a literal day and night difference, but it's slowly a day and night difference. Mm -hmm. And this, this moment right here is a big one that is more Triple H than Vince McMahon. Vince has a certain idea and concept of what he wanted to do with the women's division. Oh, yeah. And Triple H has always been more, I don't want to say experimental, but sure. when we see a lot more factions, we he's, see. He's willing
1: like, to take some risks. Yeah, he's
0: willing to take a little more risks than Vince is used to doing, but still, they are very featured on all the programming. Mm-hmm. This is a big way to say, hey, we're gonna have a, a, a faction of some of the top talent in the world. They're gonna go on the main shows and they're gonna steal the spotlight yeah. from a lot of the male wrestlers. And guarantee you, this faction is gonna do it when they get done
2: mm-hmm. because they
0: set up perfectly with a storyline purpose when they came in, confronted Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch came back in, dislocated shoulder and all. Yeah. And they had the nice standoff, and then they went away. And then obviously, we found out on Monday night, Becky is gonna be out for a little bit of time, recuperating from that said uh-huh. shoulder injury. So. All in all, though, a great way to kick off the show.
1: Absolutely. Uh, next up was the matchup between Logan Paul and The Miz, and you had Logan Paul emerge victorious, pinning The Miz in 14 minutes and 15 seconds. You want to talk about somebody that stole the show. Goddamn. Logan
0: Paul is for real. Say what you will about him outside of the ring. Mm-hmm. You can say whatever you you do, but he There's got... a
1: litany of uh, things.
0: Absolutely. But in between the ropes... That kid has got
1: unlimited potential. He's picking it up faster than anyone I think I've ever seen. It's insane the fact that he's had. Now I don't know who the hell's training him, but fucking kudos to that person. Mm-hmm. You know. But the fact that we've only seen him in two televised matches, to my knowledge, he hasn't done any house shows or any like no. you because you Not might my you might think for like you know a Staples Center house show or like a Madison Square Garden house show, they might be like, hey, you willing to do this for an, you know something like that? But I haven't done that yet. You know, so the fact that he's only been in two televised matches, and they've both been nothing short of amazing. Which I get kudos, you know, to the Miz as well because he's been his opponent in both matches. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, it's it's equal give and take with these matches. And Logan Paul for the stuff he's been doing, above and beyond what I would expect somebody who's been wrestling for as long as he has.
0: He's been working with the Miz, and he's been working with AJ Styles, if the reports I've been hearing are true. Okay, but that's a great pair to learn from, at least. But he has definitely shown that whoever is training him is getting that job done. He has it. He has what you're looking for as being a pro wrestler. He's got the charisma. Mm -hmm. He gets in the ring. He's doing moves for a man his size. Yeah, He's moving like a cruiserweight, which is the most... Wildest thing I think I saw this entire weekend mm-hmm. is he did a Rob Van Dam-esque five-star f- frog splash. That was insane. From the top rope to the announce table and hit it flush. Uh huh. And he got a decent elevation. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, it's it's picture perfect. Wasn't
1: like, Montez Ford elevation, but damn close.
0: He was up there, but especially for his size, too. He was moving around that ring. He looked very natural in there. Sure, there was a couple of missteps here and there. Oh, sure. But we have to remember, this is really his second match ever. And to pick up on the sport as he has, this was a big win for WWE. Like I say, you can love him or hate him all you want. But he got in that ring. He told the story with The Miz. Now, granted, he had a great dance partner there, too. Sure, I I want to see what he does with somebody that maybe isn't on that level, per se, and kind of see how he factors out. Sure. But for right now... That was a huge win. The internet exploded. Yeah, they did. And majority was praised. So listen, WWE has a diamond in the rough on their hands because we know he has signed a multi-year deal with them. Mm-hmm. So to what degree are we going to see him on Monday Night Raw every week? Probably, Probably not. Probably not. But I think we'll see him more times than not. And I think the more times he's in there, the better he's going to get. And listen, I'm not saying that he's not going to not have a belt anytime soon, but I would say this. Within a year, he's going to be in some title talk. Now, world title, I don't know, but he'll be in some title talk.
1: Book it now. The WrestleMania in Philadelphia, Logan Paul and uh, Pat McAfee versus The Miz and Sandman. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you and
0: common man Vince Atoli have that from Crows MMA. Yeah. That vision is there. I don't know how this came about, so I want to do some investigating. But, yeah, you guys are all about Sandman versus Pat McAfee
1: for whatever reason. Listen, he pitched the idea to me, and I'm like, holy fuck, I'm in.
0: Yeah, I know. He's been going hard with it about that, so – this is gonna be something to watch and i wouldn't doubt that that happens as well we'll we'll talk about pat mcafee when we get down there
1: uh next up was the matchup for the uh, wwe united states championship and you had bobby lashley defending his belt against theory uh and lashley submitted uh theory in four minutes and 45 seconds
0: no real shock here no obviously we knew theory who is mr money in the bank which means he can cash in the briefcase for a title match at any time any place anywhere was calling his shot for later in the night. So there was no way that he was going to be involved in anything (coughs) long-term. This was just enough to get Lashley over, yeah, and then we
1: move on next. Uh, Next up was the no-disqualification tag team matchup between the Mysterios and Dominic and Rey Mysterio, taking on Damian Priest and Finn Balor of the Judgment Day. Uh, And you had Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio emerge victorious via pinfall in 11 minutes and 5 seconds, although not without some help.
0: No, definitely not, because this match went a little back and forth. We know that Finn Balor and Damian Priest and Ray Ripley have stolen the mantle from Edge mm-hmm. and wrote him off because this is the group that he founded. So we knew that they've been kind of running rough shot over the Mysterios and some of the other WWE roster. The match gets going. It's a very solid match, yeah. very back and forth. And then we have the return of Edge.
1: Which has been teased for a couple of weeks, I guess. Mm-hmm. They've
0: been doing a lot of these weird vignettes. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of alluded to him. I know Bray Wyatt's name was kind of thrown around there yep. as well, a few yep. other people. Yep. But we do see a Brood-esque return. Love it. Where Edge comes through this uh, staircase, and it's all in red. He comes running down the ring, mm-hmm. does his thing, and obviously building a storyline that's going to happen for a couple uh matches to be yeah. announced. Yep. So a solid way to bring him back to. Crowd was definitely excited about it. Did not see Bray Wyatt yet, but got right. some feelings on that.
1: Uh, next up was a matchup between Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin. And you had Pat McAfee emerge victorious, uh, pinning Corbin in 10 minutes and 40 seconds.
0: So this match was the most entertaining, yeah, I was. will say. Yeah, it was. Because Pat McAfee, the. Uh, social media influencer now, announcer that steals the show every time he's on SmackDown,
2: mm-hmm. has
0: been dabbling more and more in the pro wrestling. He's definitely taking this more serious. Uh-huh. Obviously starting out in NXT against Adam Cole, and that, was a, yep, and that was a solid uh, way to do it. Obviously, I was not super big on him when he first came in. Sure. I'm sold on him now because he has really put some energy mm-hmm. into those matches. Mm-hmm. And obviously dealing with Happy Corbin, who, let's face it, has now taken over that Kane spot in the ring mm-hmm. that he can work with pretty much anybody that can tell a great he's a, story. He's a plug-and-play guy. Yeah, and you know what? That's perfect for it him. Reliable. And that's very Yeah, that's the best way you can be. That's longevity and a career. So seeing these two together definitely was playing into it. We saw McAfee came out with a choir singing Bum Ass Corbin.
1: That was amazing.
0: Yeah, and this just kind of set the crowd up.
1: That was amazing. The match itself, um, not the best one ever. No, and and McAfee explained a little bit of that on his uh, YouTube show, you know, the Pat McAfee show on Monday, which definitely get a listen to. He can go he can go more in depth about it. But he, some of the mistakes in the match, you know, in, in regards to stuff he botched, he put on him, he put on himself, you know, in regards to like there was the one point in the match where he slipped on the ring ropes getting up there okay that was up that was partially due to the humidity because he said the weather report two weeks out and even a week out was calling for rain and he goes as anyone knows if they're calling for rain it gets humid as hell Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of condensation and and humidity in the air which made the ring ropes slippery the other issue he said was that he had not worn those shoes while training in the ring which he goes that was he goes that was a rookie mistake on my part the other issue he said is, if he goofed on is when he was training, he did not factor the humidity and the heat into it because he was training in an air conditioned basement. Yeah. So, so he, you know, he put that on him. But overall, I would say, despite the faults, it was still a really damn good match.
0: It was entertaining. I mean, you knew what you're going to get out yeah. of this. Yeah. So was you... I
1: expecting like the greatest match in professional wrestling history since ok- Okada, you know, uh, Omega? No.
2: But yeah. Like,
1: for what I was expecting, it, it, it met it. It met, it met expectations. I mean, yeah. that's an honest answer i would say yeah uh next up was for the wwe unified tag team titles and this was between the uso brothers and jimmy and jay uh defending their belts against the street profits and angelo dawkins and montez ford uh with special guest referee j-e-double-f-j-a-double-r-e-double-t that's double j jeff jarrett uh and you had the usos uh emerge victorious pitting the street profits in 13 minutes and 25 seconds to retain their unified tag team championships
0: two of the best tag teams in WWE doing what they do best.
1: And if you say they're not two of the best in WWE history, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Like you look at their early run when they were, you know, they before they went to like the current style they're in. It's night and day. And, and it seems like it's almost like, you know, the Tom Brady thing where Max Kellerman said, "Oh, he's going to fall off in the next year." And then he went on to have like a second Hall of Fame career with you just look at the stats. You know, it's it's kind of the same thing with Usos. Usos, their first run before they turned heel, Hall of Fame worthy. Usos in, in heel form, Hall of Fame.
0: Oh, absolutely. The Usos have found this new level that I didn't know they were going to be able to find. And, obviously, have redefined their legacy. I mean, they're going to go down in history as one of the best tag teams on the planet. There's no question about that. The Street Profits have definitely been one to keep an eye on for. And we are all kind of waiting for the tease of the breakup. Thought it might happen here. We get at least some seeds planted. I know a lot of people are trying to focus on Montez Ford's frustration. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, after he blew the pin because he hit the splash that he usually does so hard. He bounced off and was so far away that by the time he got over for the pin, he only got a two count. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is there, so I'm not – Super shocked at it. I mean, this match kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, unless they were really going to try pushing about breaking the bloodline, which I know Rich from 607TWS was mentioned as well, too. Right. But this one, once it got going, it's like, okay, I kind of figured maybe the Usos were going to hang on. The Jeff Jarrett thing was just kind of throwing me off because it was like, well, what was he really supposed to add there? Obviously, we knew he was there because the whole Ric Flair last match thing, which right. I, I don't want to get into.
1: Uh-huh. If you want to uh, hear Ken's opinion on the Ric Flair last match, uh, listen to this week's six oh seven TWS.
0: Absolutely, I'm just going to leave it there. Happy thoughts, yeah. Happy thoughts, yeah.
1: But this match, I mean,
0: definitely was what we expected. Not as good as Money in the Bank, though. No, no, Money in the Bank don't. was a way better match.
1: Yeah, it's still good, but just not as good.
0: Absolutely. But next up, though, uh,
1: was the co-main event or the main co-main event, yeah, uh, of the evening, and this was for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship between Liv Morgan defending her belt against Ronda Rousey, and you had well. According to the referee, Liv Morgan pinned Ronda Rousey in four minutes and 35 seconds. Although if you watch the footage, that's not quite what happened. Uh, because while, yes, the ref did count one, two, three, uh, you did have both, uh, what was it, uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves going back forth. And, and Corey Graves pointed out, no, 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 Liv tapped. And they showed the one angle. And mm-hmm. the, one, the one angle, you, the first angle they showed in replay, you couldn't see it. And they're like, no, hold on. And this is what I liked in the difference you could tell is where in the past, some of the conversations they were having back and forth were like, oh, let's check the replay. Yeah. You know, and then, oh, hold on, we can't see from that angle. Let's see another angle. W- felt a little different as to years past with similar instances with WWE and this kind of storyline, you know. So then they're all right, hold on, let's check the other angle. And you had them go one, two. Oh, there it is. You had Lib Morgan did indeed tap before uh the ref could get the three count. Ronda was incensed, put Liv in the armbar, uh, put the ref in the armbar. Uh, she has since been, quote-unquote, fined and, quote-unquote, suspended. Not not really. But mm-hmm. For kayfabe story reasons, she is. Uh, but so it looks like we're getting the three-peat of this at the next uh, one of the next pay-per-views.
0: This really felt like Triple H booking here, and I'm not mad about this at all.
1: No, I'm not either.
0: Ronda Rousey is supposed to be the unstoppable force. She is supposed to be the women's division Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Liv Morgan is the ultimate underdog in the sense of she has become a very organically backed wrestler for the WWE Universe. Mm -hmm. The fans really love her. She has been putting in so much work in the ring. She's gotten so much better, and she's literally taken every single gimmick under the former regime and done the best she can with it, and she's had some really bad ones. I'm going to say, other than the Riot Squad, it's been very, very hit or miss. Yeah. So now... The fact that she won the belt, the crowd exploded. The WWE universe is really behind her. I figured that you know she had to win this, mm-hmm. and this is a perfect way to continue that storyline because Ronda came in there was dominating that match,
1: right? And, it, and it, it helps live, and for all the reasons you said, you know, she just won the belt. The crowd's behind her. She's a fan favorite, but it also helps Ronda not look weak. That let's face it, Ronda has been built as the baddest woman on the planet. They've made no uh, they've always made mention of her accolades of UFC champion, the fastest knockout, the fastest submission as as fast as that, you know? So if you're for those, for people taking this whole thing seriously, like, you know, back in the old days, like, Oh, this is all real. It, w- it would look to hurt. Rhonda as like, Oh, she's the baddest woman on the planet. She's, you know, the toughest woman's woman's wrestler of all time. And she can't beat live, you know? So it, it keeps Rhonda looking strong of like, Hey, yeah, she lost, according to the ref, but shenanigans.
0: Mm-hmm. And Ronda's is way better as a heel. Yes. I'm sorry. she.
1: Yes. Like, listen, the, I, l- I like Ronda. But, but the whole happy to be here thing got old real quick.
0: Exactly. Because everybody knows it's not her. Because she is that much of a competitor. She's a, She likes playing into that fear aspect mm-hmm. of being, I'm going to take your arm off.
1: Go back and watch some of those highlights from her UFC days, you know, where before she got beat by Holly Holm, you know, twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, where she'd get in the octagon right before the fight starts, and she looks like she wants to rip your head off and have it for breakfast. Yeah. Where I'm sitting there going, fuck, I'm scared, and I'm you know however many miles away from her.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's where they played off, and I think Triple H knows this. Sure. And when he brings her back from the quote-unquote suspension, oh, she's going to go on a tear. Oh, yeah,
1: she's going to be taking arms left, right, and center.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see this getting settled at Survivor Series, but I wouldn't doubt that they, they tried doing it somewhat sooner.
1: Yeah, she's going to have her Oprah moment. You get an arm bar. You get an arm bar. You get an arm bar. But that plays into her strengths, and that's something
0: I think Triple H gets where
1: Vince really didn't, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And lastly, and certainly not leastly because God fucking damn, well, it was the main event of the evening where you had Roman Reigns taking on Brock Lesnar for the WWE Undisputed Universal title in a last-man-standing match, and you had uh, Roman Reigns defeat Brock Lesnar uh, in 23 minutes even. Well, God damn.
0: we knew this match was going to be something. These two have definitely fought each other before, so they're no strangers to each other.
1: Right, and, and especially we knew it was going to be something when they were billing this as the quote-unquote last time ever.
0: Well, the thing about it is, under the circumstances, which we have to remember as fans, Cody Rhodes was supposed to be here. Yep. Randy. Randy Orton was also rumored to be involved in this. Yep. There was some talk Seth Rollins was going to get added to this, but they did that quick write-off with him and Riddle for reasons just because I think the storyline got switched up a little bit. So we knew that when Brock was thrown in this mix, Brock is a main event person that can fill up a stadium. Right. We have to remember that as fans. Yeah. When you do a stadium show, you're not going to do something you would do on a throwaway TV night. Brock sells tickets. Exactly. You're trying to fill a football stadium. Yeah you're going to come with the biggest roster you can Mm -hmm. and make the most of it. Now, fans were very kind of torn about this, but with Triple H guiding the helm, I think the expectations were up. And I'm not going to get into the whole nonsense of Brock quit and walked out of SmackDown and all that jazz because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He was still on the show.
1: I maintain he just went to Jimmy John's.
0: I'm going with that. And anybody asked me about that, that's what I'm telling him too because at the end of the day, he came and did the show. He came here tonight on uh, Saturday night, rather, I'm sorry, and he wrestled. Yeah. He came out of a big
1: old tractor. Yeah, came out of a big old tractor, Uh, jumped from the tractor into the ring. Or have, loader, I should say. And then uh, also turned, and goddamn, I've never seen this even. You know when Michael Cole says, never in all my years have I seen this, it's really something. Took the front load tractor, whatever the hell it was, and picked the one side of the ring about 5, 10 feet up in the air. Holy shit.
0: Yeah, no, you definitely want to do something wild and not that nobody's seen before. And they did it right because the match was hard hitting. They definitely were throwing everything at each other. Yeah.
1: Uso, Usos came out, uh Paul Heyman took an F five into the table. Mm-hmm. Theory came out, he got F five down to the briefcase. You know, it really was something that when Michael Cole, and I forget who the referee for this match was, but yeah, you know, I'll just random name, what you know, it was really something when Michael Cole would yell. God damn it, Steve, count faster. Yeah. Like my, like Michael Cole was selling the shit out of this because Brock just kept standing up and standing up. And he goes, what the hell is this guy made of? You know, is he human?
0: Well, the one thing that we also have to applaud too is without Vince there, the commentary was more organic as well. I 100% agree. There was more creative freedom. And that's something that when you saw Michael Cole do that, or should say heard, That was something completely Uh ad-libbed. I guarantee you that. Oh, I I bet you. He's been at this long enough. He knows what he can do. Well, that's the one thing that Triple H knows. When you have commentators, and they have a very, very good commentating team on both Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, they do. Jimmy Jimmy Smith doesn't get enough credit on Raw. Yeah. I think that the wrestlers and the talent really took advantage of this moment and said, okay, let's do something different. Let's just have some fun with this. Mm -hmm. They did. The only drawback about this match is... When the Usos and Roman were throwing everything on top of Brock, yeah, the right referee at, kept counting. Right at the end, yeah. Yeah, which I think at that point, though, they might have just been constrained for time and just completely lost it. Which... I, I
1: think so, because while, you know, here in the States we really don't have to worry about pay-per-view times and, like, a hard out, you know, I because I, I don't think it's still offered by pay-per-view. Could be wrong. Hashtag ODPHPOD if I am, for, uh, if you're in the States and you still get the uh, pay-per-views uh, the cards on pay-per-view mm-hmm. but overseas i know it's still a thing so it could still be the case with like shit we only bought time until whatever time we only bought purchased a, a lot of time up to you know whatever time it is we've got like a minute and a half we got to get out yeah you know, so, so that's the only thing i can think
0: which i mean it didn't take anything away from the match no I mean, the match was brutal the match was hard-hitting as it could roman wins which might
1: have been the best last standing match ever I
0: mean, it's, it's in that conversation. I, it was what it was. So, like I say, I don't dispute that when people say that. I just go like this match had a lot of everything and mm-hmm. really kind of put a nice bow on the transition weekend. That was yeah WWE because Vince's influence is gone. You saw some matches yeah. that definitely were Vince. Sure. But you also saw a little bit more Triple H get sprinkled
1: in. I, I would say the matchups for this card were still Vince because it was, you know, It's like I said a couple weeks ago, they're not going to change the card the week of SummerSlam, you know, just because Vince, quote unquote, retired. Of course not. You know, but I think going forward, you know, any plans they might have had for Survivor Series or Clash of the Castle and even WrestleMania are out the window now because Vince is gone and Triple H is in control of things.
0: Yeah, I think the only thing that might be for certain is when they do the UK show. Right, I think Drew McIntyre is walking out with the belt. I'm not saying he's being Roman, but I'm saying he's going to pull off the win there. But this was a great way to kick off the regime. But we really got the kickoff on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. So the highlights from that, I guess we can kind of just really sum up very quickly. First hour commercial free. Yes. We had wrestling.
1: Yes, we did. Within the first 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we had some
0: phenomenal matches
1: yeah well they they had opened well they opened the show with the becky lynch coming out and with her arm in a sling as we mentioned and she had the moment with uh bianca you know and then bianca went to talk in the ring and about oh i'm a champion i'm gonna challenge fight any challenger this and the other and then becky got attacked backstage by bailey dakota kai and Sky, so writing her off television Mm -hmm. uh and then the the first match we had on monday night raw was a triple threat uh where the winner of this would go on to another matchup to determine the number one contender for the united states championship and in this matchup you had mustafa ali the miz and aj styles all participating with aj styles emerging victorious and advancing i guess you could say to the next round of this quote unquote tournament Mm -hmm. uh the 450 mustafa ali hit in which turned into a styles class from aj god Damn, that was awesome.
0: One of the greatest finishes in all pro wrestling Uh history. Yeah. At at me about it. Yeah. I'm here for it. And then you started
1: seeing the emergence of Ciampa as well. Yep. You had Ciampa come out. Uh, You had uh, Ciampa come out. Uh, He was in another matchup uh, between Chad Gable, which shout out, got to say for a moment, Chad Gable. Shout out to you, sir, for slandering the Houston Astros in, yes. in Houston. Uh, I can say nothing bad about you. Uh, but we had Champa take on Chad Gable and Dolph Ziggler and the other Triple Threat of the night. Uh, and this this was going to be the test that, like, it, you know, we know how big Triple H is on Champa and how much Champa loves Triple H. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the test: is he getting a push or things stay in stat quo? Well, looks like he's getting a little bit of a push. Uh, because uh, in this matchup, he emerged victorious, uh, winning and moving on to take on AJ in the finals, quote-unquote, of this United States tournament.
0: Yes, this match was great as well. Ciampa, who really excelled under Triple H at NXT, was Facts. was one of the best champions they've had there in Facts. ever. Seeing him now on the main roster and really getting a chance to run with the ball, I think they did the right thing. They also did something for the U.S. title, which... I want to see more of this. That's that little video package that really added a lot of prestige, a lot of eyes on that product, and really made it feel, gave that big fight feel. I know we throw that around a lot, but that's Mm -hmm. what it really felt like with this.
1: Well, that's one of the things Triple H, I felt, always did well with NXT because you had, you know, you had the NXT title. Mm -hmm. You had the NXT women's title. You had the NXT tag team titles. You had the NXT North American title. You know, when it came to other matches that weren't involving the NXT Title on a takeover, you always wanted to watch those matches. You know, a lot of times in years past, when it comes to the Intercontinental title or the U.S. title, you know, depending on who was the champion. You may or may not want to tune in and check it. you would be like, oh, this is the point where I go get some food. This is the point where I go make a bathroom break. You know, This is the point where I check my phone or send a text message or something. But I feel like under Triple H, he's going to make those comparable back to the NXT days where, yeah, you're not going to want to miss these.
0: No, absolutely. I, th- I thought they did a real good job about doing that because you want to make sure every belt on your roster feels like something. Mm-hmm. You should never see a champion come out and go, what does that belt mean? Yeah. That happens other places. Triple H is gonna make sure that doesn't happen here. Facts.
1: Uh, and then Shampa took on A.J. Styles in the finals of this US tournament, uh, where you had Champa emerge Victorious becoming the number one contender to take on Bobby Lashley, and it's taking place next week in where?
0: Cleveland. Tell you what, man.
1: If 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 Triple H has got a surprise for Cleveland, well, that'd be a good place and a good match to do it. If the
0: rumors are going to turn up to be true, and like we say, we stress rumors Mm. of one Johnny Gargano returning to the company, that would be the place that we expect to see him. Would be a good place. But I'm going to say this. That match is going to be must-watch regardless. Oh, absolutely. Chompa and Lashley? Holy shit. This is a perfect match to, to really let those two run wild on Monday Night Raw, and that's what you want to see under Triple H, and this yeah. is what he's making sure. For any fans that were dejected at the product, and I'm talking about myself and a lot of other people. Sure, sure. This was a great way to get some fan interest coming back to it. As
1: well. uh, and it's certainly equal to viewers because, you know, we don't normally care about ratings, but uh, this one did particularly interest me. Uh, for last night on Monday Night Raw, it's being reported that Raw gained 2,230,000 viewers.
0: I believe it. I, I, Monster I feel- numbers. I had a feeling it was going to go over two and rightfully so.
1: That, that's on par with SmackDown, mm-hmm. which Raw hasn't done those numbers in God knows how long.
0: Well, the product hasn't been good, yeah, and that's one thing that we we can't emphasize enough about with Triple H at the helm of creative. It's a day and night show. Mm-hmm. Definitely had a different feel to it. Completely. Oh, absolutely. Another notable wrestlers on the show. Montez Ford had a great showcase against Seth Rollins. Yeah, if anybody's not seeing that singles push coming, this was a, a great litmus test. To mm-hmm. see if Ford could hang and, oh, he definitely hung Well, with. And, and
1: Triple H is starting to have some fun with that. All oh, the fans think they're going to break up because they put, you know, Montez and Dawkins did poke fun at a little bit. Oh, they think we're going to split. And they go to do a rock, paper, scissors to determine who's going to face Seth Rollins that night. And they go, this is the only time you're going to see us split apart.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're definitely running with it. But that's something you can do because both of those wrestlers on the Street Profits can be single stars. Absolutely. No, no question about that. Io Shirai is also somebody else that really had a benchmark match against Bianca yeah. Belair. She could, you know, when you get called out of the main roster, they want to see, can you hang with the elite of the elite? Mm-hmm. And she definitely hung with Bianca Belair. She was definitely matching every match or every move, rather, back and forth. Yeah. Fantastic match. Hated the no contest finish, but I get it for yeah. storylines. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing that get ran back. And then the main event, you had the Mysterios and Judgment Day?
1: yeah you had the Mysterio. uh well yes yeah, so you had the usos taking on the mysterios uh for the uh, the unified tag team championships uh usos emerged victorious but then because of course there was time left you could figure out probably what was going to happen uh you did have uh judgment day come out start attacking um uh the mysterios and then edge with metalingus back you know i mm-hmm. know some folks were wondering about that metalingus you know was back Uh, You know, Edge came out and attacked them because he didn't cut a promo during the night that he goes, oh, they thought I taught them everything. They're about to be sorely mistaken.
0: Well, you know, I say it was about the Mysterios and Judgment Day one more time. Mm -hmm. I have a theory and I'll wrap the raw recap up about this. Okay, I think Dominic Dominic Mysterio is joining him.
1: They've been teasing it enough that like, shit or get off the pot here.
0: Yeah, he took the sh- he took the spear. Yeah, he did on purpose. Like they think yeah, he bumped he'd... Balor out of the way so he could take that spear. Yeah,
1: well, no, Rhea, th- Rhea threw him in the way.
0: Yeah, but I think it was a little more like a guided push. Uh, so I'm, I'm not doubting that Dominic winds up with him, which would be a nice way to do it. Because like I say, the USOs definitely made their presence felt, but it was kind of really overshadowed by the fact that Dominic Mysterio got speared, and you know what's going to happen now with him and Edge? Is that going to cause something? They're planting nice seeds to wrap this up that Raw has now become Mm must-watch. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do on SmackDown.
1: Yeah, that's going to be real interesting. But for
0: the opening weekend of WWE programming under Triple H and the new regime, I thought they had an absolute home run. I think that they reignited the fan base that was very disenfranchised. I think they added a lot of stuff that we as wrestling fans have missed. I know that some people were getting very salty online in certain degrees. But Mm -hmm. listen, I'm just going to sum it up like this. If you don't like what you're watching, then don't watch it. But if you're somebody that's been disenfranchised with what WWE's done under Vince as of late, yeah. this was a perfect way to say, look, we're going to do some stuff different. Is it going to be an overnight thing? No, but they laid good groundwork, and that's all we can ask for as fans. So either you get on board or you jump ship. The choice is yours. That being said, we gave you our takes about the WWE weekend. Why don't you hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod, and you let us know what you thought about SummerSlam, what you thought about Monday Night Raw, what are you expecting under Triple H? Let's talk that wrestling talk, shall we?
1: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale and Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metal Core Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metal Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And we got to talk a little UFC. Yeah. Yeah. So this past weekend was UFC 277. And what a card it was. Uh Uh-huh. A lot of storylines coming out of this one. So, Pad, why don't you give the stats and let's break this down.
1: Yeah, so this was UFC 277, which took place on Saturday, July 30th, 2022, from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, with an announced attendance of 19,442 people in attendance, a total gate of $4.4 million. Good Lord. Uh, those are some texas size numbers i uh, just got to mention a couple of fights uh that took place on the main card before we really break down some things uh first of which is uh anthony smith got his leg broken
0: yeah Ow. broke it throwing leg kicks goddamn so obviously he uh wound up losing to magnoff and you it was kind of like a weird look that mm-hmm. happened but once it was determined he broke his leg like listen that's the right move to do i don't yeah. care like yeah whatever happens now for him in the future He's going to bounce back, but I think Smith is out of the title talk for a while. Magnoff mm-hmm. is going to be an interesting one to watch. Sure. Because be. now in that light heavyweight division, I mean, everything is kind of up in the air about what you want to do there. And looking at the UFC rankings, this is definitely going to shake things up a little bit. He's now the number three ranked fighter. Mm. Ahead of him, obviously, Yuri is the champion. Glover Teixeira is number one. Jan Blachowicz is number two. So I would imagine he would get a fight with one of those gentlemen if I'm UFC matchmaking, I go Blahovitz, to be honest with you. I know that to share a fight with Yuri was definitely a lot closer than people thought. So would it be a situation to do that immediate rematch or, right. or do you give Magnov Glover? I mean, what are you feeling, Pad?
1: Uh, I say give him Glover. Why not? No, that makes sense. Go for broke.
0: Like I say, you can you can't go really wrong either way because after that, I mean, there is a drop off in that division. And Magnov I think is definitely gonna make some waves when he gets up there. But it's just a matter of who makes the most sense. I mean, Glover, like I said, you could make that argument. And I kind of go back and forth about this a lot, too. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, Glover is on that other side of 40. It's how much has he got really left? Is he going to make another run? If the UFC really feels that it's the one he wants to take against Prozaka, that's the way you could do. I just don't know. I mean, I think Blahovitz is somebody there as well. And I don't think Magnov should leapfrog both of them to get Yuri. I I don't think that's the way you should do this. But Magnov definitely looked great against Smith. I mean, even with the leg broke, still he was definitely. Uh-huh. You know, it was a very, back, you know, very solid fight. Very back yeah. and forth action, with, you know, until obviously, if your leg is broke, throwing a leg kick, ow, stuff happens. So, yeah. listen, I'm not faulting Anthony Smith about this. I'm not going to complain about it. It's a freak injury. It is what it is. I mean, the, the, as uh, we often refer to in wrestling on 607TWS, the physical sports are not exactly ballet. No. So, thus, why would we treat it as one here on the ODPH?
1: Uh, Next up was in the flyweight division where you had Alexandra Pantoja defeat Alex Perez via neck crank submission at 1 minute and 31 seconds in the first round.
0: Pantoja, man. He definitely impressed. The the frequently used neck crank submission. That's a hell of a thing to pull off. This one we knew was going to definitely cause some fireworks. This got him in that title talk easily. Currently number two ranked after the fight and I tell you what, whatever they're going to wind up doing, he's either going to be in that number one contender match or he could get that shot. Could be. I don't know how you do, but I was super impressed with what he pulled yeah, off there. Yeah, he's,
1: he's at least got to be in that uh, consideration.
0: You have to. There's no other way you can do it otherwise. I mean, that was a hell of a finish. And with a division that we've touched upon many, many times, you need stars. Yes. You need to generate some buzz. This is one that he definitely took advantage of the moment. Three straight fights that he's won now. So if you want to pump him in that kind of talk, I think he's earned it because it's a sensational finish. It just depends on what you want to do in that main, with the title picture. We will talk about that, though, in just a little bit. Yeah. But next up.
1: Uh, next up was in the heavyweight division where you had Serge- oh. Sergei Pavlovich defeat Derek Lewis via TKO at 55 seconds in the first round.
0: I hate this. I hate this so much.
1: Uh, As they like to say when playing Among Us,
0: sauce. If you watch the replay of this, Derek Lewis was taking shots. Okay. We need to stress this. It's not like this was a fluke. Pavlovich was nailing him with some good combos. Oh, yeah. But what got really dicey, and and I will say this, I understand why the ref did what he did. Sure. I don't agree with it, though.
1: Sure. It's a, a split-second
0: decision. It's a split-second decision because Derek Lewis goes down, mm-hmm. and it almost looks like he's covering up. Right. But if you look at what happens, he takes a shot, he falls to his knees, he puts his hands over his head, he gets hit with one more shot by Pavlovich, mm-hmm. and then suddenly the ref jumps in. Mm-hmm. But Lewis is jumping right back to his feet. Right. So the question becomes, was it an early stoppage? In my opinion, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm sitting there watching, I'm going – I don't agree with this because if he was really in trouble, right, a man his size would not spring
1: to his feet as fast as he did. No, exactly. It was it was almost instantaneous. You know, it wasn't like the, oh he's down for a couple of seconds and then he pops back up. No, this was like he's down, he stops, he pops back up.
0: Yeah. So the question now becomes: What do you do with Derek Lewis? This is a bad loss for him, but could you wind up? Having an immediate rematch because Pavlovich now has jumped into the top five. I, th- I think Absolutely. yeah, I
1: think you have to run this back.
0: I, I would too. I mean, I don't see obviously how not he, with that rough. Yeah, well, I just don't see how you do this otherwise. To be honest with you, I think you need to give the benefit of the doubt. Like Pavlovich is, I mean, that's a big win for him. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from that. Right. But if you're asking me straight up, was that an early stoppage? Hell yeah. And I'm not saying it, this is being a very big Derek Lewis right, fan. Right. It's just the damage didn't warrant him calling that as quickly as he did when he only won maybe two shots i'll give that i'll give that benefit
1: sure i mean it looks good for him record wise and when you just look at the you know the black and white of the, of the record overall and who he's beat but when it comes down to you actually look at what happened you watch the highlights you know you watch the film it doesn't look as good no so it, I, it's not as memorable as you would think
0: no so if i'm the ufc that's how i would run this because otherwise Derek lewis i think is now completely out of title shots I don't think yeah. I don't think he's going to get back up there. Yeah. Pavlovich I think is going to get somebody in that top level. I just don't know who yet. So it's it's, heavyweight's a very very weird field to speculate on. So I don't want to do that until I hear something from the UFC like what they're kind of thinking. But it's going to be something to watch. But in the meantime, I, I'm going to be one of the people screaming and running also, back. Also,
1: hey Derek Lewis or anyone in the Derek Lewis camp. Hi, uh, Padawan Jay ODPH. Hope you're having a good day. Uh, recommendation for you. Stop taking fights in Texas. Yeah, he lost this fight in Dallas. Lost the last fight against Ty Tuivasa in Houston. Uh, won a fight in Vegas against uh, Chris Dukakis. But then fight before that, Cyr- Cyril Gan, He lost in Houston.
0: It might be something with too much hometown pressure. Uh, it could be. It could be. I mean, he's from Houston, so it's an interesting thing that they need to do. But I think you're onto something there, Pat. I genuinely do.
1: Uh, Next up was the co-main event of the evening, uh, and it was in the flyweight division for the vacant, uh, or excuse me, for the interim UFC flyweight championship. Uh, And you had Kai Carafrance taking on Brandon Moreno, and you had Brandon Moreno emerge victorious, uh, defeating Carafrance via TKO, uh, body kick and punches, at 4 minutes and 34 seconds of the third round.
0: Well, we now have a very, very interesting situation on our hands because Moreno, I mean, obviously he looked great. This was a very, very solid win for him. I thought I'd care of France pulling this one off, but Moreno wanted this more, and this is a situation that now the UFC has a very, very tough decision on their hands. Mm-hmm. Because we often refer to in wrestling, fight forever. Yeah. This is going to be a fight forever situation between him and Figueroa. I can see it. It's going to be like they're they're very good back and forth fights. I know that Figueredo is sounding like he is returning at the beginning of next year, which I'm all right with. And obviously, we do need to settle up who is the real champion of the flyweights. If they want to make that match, I'm perfectly fine with that because obviously Moreno is an Mm interim, Figueredo is the champ. Do we dance again for a fourth time pad?
1: Uh, I mean, it depends. Maybe. Fourth fights are hard to sell for me, in all honesty. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only other situation is we touched upon Panjoja getting in there. That's a fight they could do as well. It's a very interesting dynamic right now because with Panjoja being number 2, Figueiredo is the champ. Right. It just depends on what Moreno wants to do and I know Moreno wants to fight Figueiredo again. Like I that that is a no-brainer to me. But then the question is, we're now in August. Right. Figueredo is looking January, maybe February to come back. At the the earliest, yeah. That's the rumors we've been hearing about, so we're going to go base off that. If that's the case, that's a long time to wait. Does Moreno want to wait? I could see him taking that fight with Pandoja, and then you take your chances with Figueredo whenever he's ready to rock and roll. But that's an interesting dynamic that I think the UFC is going to have to figure out because it's not that you won't get a quality fight from these guys. right. But like we touched upon, this is going to be fight number four. How do you how do you really sell this? I mean, they're the best of their division. There's no question about it. So you could, but, I mean, this obviously has to be a co-main. This, mm-hmm. this isn't going to be a heavy. No, to, no. The only way this would be a, a main is if it was on like a, a free fight on uh, ESPN Plus or Maybe ABC. Say, yeah. That's where I could see that happening. But yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh-huh. It's, an inter- it's interesting to watch. I would do it because I think these guys are great in the ring, but if Pandoja's name gets thrown in the mix, don't doubt that either. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I won't be super shocked if that's how they booked this. Got to watch that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, next up was the main event of the evening, and this was for the Women's Bantamweight Championship where you had Juliana Pena taking on Amanda Nunes, uh, and you had Amanda Nunes emerge victorious, defeating Pena by unanimous decision. Uh, and the judges' scores were 50-45, 50-44, and 50-43.
0: Rumors of an early demise are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Amanda Nunez came in and looked like the goat as she is. This was absolutely technical. Mm-hmm. This was one-sided. Man, I don't know where we go from here. Champ Champ is back. I. This is scary because Nunez looked like she was at the top of her game. Not taking anything away from Peña. Peña hung in there. Mm-hmm. But listen, Nunez is on a different level. Yeah. And it's something that when the fighter has a bad night, and like listen, that's how Pena got her the first yeah. time. Yeah. It's goes to show if, is Nunez on the decline or is Pena on that much of an upcline. Mm-hmm. It's a weird situation here. Mm-hmm. Because now you have a question of Nunez ran through Peña. Mm-hmm. Nunez is the goat of two divisions because there still is a featherweight women's division, but nobody's currently ranked in it under UFC.com. Mm-hmm. Who do you book Nunez against next, Pad?
1: I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at the bantamweight rankings. Uh, we've got Amanda Nunez is number, uh, the champion. Juliana Pena is uh, number one. Uh, number two is uh, Kitien Vieira. Number three is Holly Holm. Number four is Irene Aldana. Number five is Raquel Pennington. Uh, those are, that's your top five. Uh,
0: you know, this is a really, really interesting question because I think Vieira is the only option. Yeah. I really, I, I think out of that list you read, that's the only one that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, because I'm looking at Amanda Nunes' record. She's beaten Holly Holm. Uh, Aldana, I don't think she's beaten. Let me just take a quick scroll through. Nope, hasn't beat Aldana. Uh, and then, in terms of Raquel Pennington, I think she's beaten Raquel. Yeah, I think they, they've faced uh, yes, before. Yes, 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 yes. She has beaten Raquel. So out of the top, you know, five, she's beaten three of them.
0: Yeah. So this is the problem that you have when you are a dominant champion of two weight classes.
1: You know what she should do? Drop the flyweight, go for three belts. <sighs> champ, champ, champ. I
0: I don't know. If that, that'd be a, that'd be an insane <laughs> weight but I mean that but that's a possibility you have to look at somebody from that flyweight class coming up. Legend now, killer. The question would be is would Shevchenko face her a third time? And and but the the situation is as great as Shevchenko is at flyweight, she has never been able to figure out Nunia's at bantamweight. Right. So I don't I don't know what you do here. I mean that's this is a problem the UFC is going to have because obviously the featherweight division they don't have anybody in. It's, it's more or less right for name value right now.
1: I mean, I can see the Shevchenko fight happening simply because the last time those two fought was in on September 9th of twenty seventeen, and then prior to that it was March fifth of twenty sixteen. So it's so it's been five years. You it's, know, I'm not saying it's going to happen. No, no, no. But if, no, no, but if they you. were to propose it, I go, okay, I can see it.
0: Well, I think you really got to start taking an account of like what you what can you do now with Nunez, right? Because she's literally gone through a who's who of fighters that you've thrown at her. And that's how good she is. But it's a situation that you literally have to sit back and go, okay, who is next? Right. And there is no clear-cut answer. No. I mean, I will still be on my soapbox screaming, this is why you should re-sign Chris Cyborg and let them go at it. It's the one rematch that I think MMA fans have wanted to see. Probably won't happen because of reasons. I digress, but you're in a situation now where you have to get a big name or big story to back up Nunez in a fight because otherwise it's business as usual. And I know that after the fight she's definitely called out anybody. She's definitely uh-huh. more excited to get back in the octagon quickly. I just don't know other than Vieira, like, who, who you plug in there. And even so, I don't know if Vieira's ready for her. I mean, that's – it's the situation of that Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre mystique. Yeah. When you're considered the GOAT of your weight class, but let alone Nunez is on a different level than both of those guys were.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: She's the GOAT of women's MMA.
1: Yeah. Like, literally, go look up her record and who she's beaten. It's a who's who. Yeah, so. That's, there's a reason I keep calling her the legend killer. Yeah, there's, there's her, and then
0: there's such drop-off that, I mean, sure, Vieira could come in there and challenge And it's a solid fight to make. I'm not taking anything away from Vieira, but you almost wonder, like, is that going to be enough for a real pay-per-view to really to draw interest? Right.
1: And she's so dominant. She's cleaned out an entire division to the point there's no rankings on the company's official website. Exactly. Don't believe us. UFC.com forward slash rankings. R-A-N-K-I-N-G-S. Scroll all the way to the bottom, and it's one of the last columns you'll see on the left-hand side. Women's featherweight. Amanda Nunez, champion. There is nobody underneath her. Yeah. This isn't me hacking UFC.com and embellishing this just to make her, you know, something more than she's not. I'm not kidding, folks. There's nobody. She's cleaned out the featherweight division to where there's nobody else ranked. Even Mighty Mouse didn't do this shit.
0: No. Nunez is on just that much of a different level that you only have a couple handful of fights you can make. Vieira is the one I think I would do. Sure. You know, just out of default. You could try selling the Pena Trilogy, mm. but note how I word that. Mm. You have to sell that because the problem is you had Nunez come in here and just run right through her. I was going
1: to say, if if the scores were a little closer, maybe. you know. But the fact that it's 50-45, 50-44, and 50-43, which I can't remember the last time I saw a decision go 50-43. The, for those of you at home who might not understand what that means – that means you got your ass kicked. Yeah. That means it wasn't even close.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's the problem that they have right now. That you're literally left with a couple options, and it just depends on what Nunez wants to do too. Shevchenko is a is a long shot to have happen, but yeah. it's not out of the realm of thought. And listen, like you touched on, it's been a couple of years. Yeah. They could make it go. I mean, Shevchenko has just been so dominant, except for the last fight she was in at flyweight. Right. She's almost in that same problem. So you could do that, but the, but then again, you run in that problem that, okay, you do a, th- a third fight that Nunez has won outright each time. Why? But this is where Nunez's greatness is a gift and a curse. I think the UFC is definitely going to make that fight with Vera, but don't doubt Shevchenko's name get thrown in that mix. And in an extreme long shot, because I think they're going to make her work her way back up into that title contention, mm-hmm. is Pena. Yeah. And listen, if if Pena goes on a couple fight win streak and and pulls like three or four off, I wouldn't have a problem with it. No. But you have to justify doing it because this does not warrant an immediate rematch. I'm sorry.
1: No, In my opinion, I can see another fight happening, but Pena's got to work back up to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So interesting storylines coming out of UFC 277. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag What is your takeaways from this? Manda Nunez, who's next? The flyweight division, where do we go from here? And did you think the Derek Lewis stoppage was early? I say yes. Pat says yes. What do you think? That's when we we'll have that conversation. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Mm-hmm. Time is going. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the Shane and I show. Or actually, it's not the Shane and I show. It's a promo. It's a promo for the Shane and I show. Show about nothing that makes you think of something. And we are available wherever you listen to podcasts Spotify, Apple, what else? Um, yeah, but we got like five. We got like four, five seconds three, to finish. Well, we're going to go a little over. One. So, hey, listen to you, the show. Uh, yeah, you messed it up. You fucked it up.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And the NFL preseason is just about ready to kick off. Mm-hmm. The first game is slated for this week hey. with those. Jacksonville Jaguars taking on your Las Vegas Raiders.
1: Boy, that'll put butts in the seats.
0: It definitely will because the Raiders are going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch this season. And obviously we'll be talking more about them when we do our official NFL preview episode later in the month. But unfortunately, the season has been already marred Mm -hmm. by a couple of instances where the NFL is catching a lot of flack and rightfully so, in my opinion. So, Pad, why don't we just break it down and let's discuss.
1: Yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about, we've been anticipating for a while, you know, but we weren't quite sure when we were going to get it. Thought we'd get it before now, but hey, it's here. Uh, And that was the decision handed down by uh, uh, Sue L. Robinson, uh, who was the uh, intermediary third party uh jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFL Players Association for disciplinary uh actions uh because in the last collective bargaining collective bargaining agreement, uh it was felt by the NFL players that you know uh Roger Goodell had too much power that he was effectively judge, jury, and executioner uh when it came to nFL punishments, and then they wanted to take that away, so the both sides came to the agreement all right, we'll set up this process where it's a third party. You know, they'll hear the court. They'll hear it kind of like a court case. They'll hear all the evidence, we'll present it, and then that person will give a ruling and, and we'll go based off that. Uh, there can be an appeal process in this instance, although it should be noted the appeals process uh, goes back to Roger Goodell or somebody he chooses to have hear the appeal. And it also should be noted that, much like in a court of law, When you do an appeals process for a court case, you can't bring in new evidence. It's strictly done based on the evidence that is brought into the initial court case and done with the initial ruling. Uh, So with all that in uh, mind, the decision came down from Sue L. Robinson that uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson would serve a six-game suspension. Uh, Reading from an article on ESPN.com says, quote, quote, Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson will serve a six-game suspension without pay, but will not be fined for violating the league's personal conduct policy following accusations of sexual misconduct. Disciplinary Officer Sue L. Robinson ruled on Monday. Robinson issued her ruling in a comprehensive 16-page report. She wrote that the NFL recommended Watson be suspended for the entire 2022 regular season and postseason. The NFL Players Association and the league have until Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern to file a written appeal of Robinson's ruling. In a statement Sunday night, the union made it clear that it will stand by her decision and urged the NFL to do the same. The league, in a statement Monday, said it was determining its next steps. If an appeal is made, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell or his designee will issue a written decision that will constitute full, final, and complete disposition of the dispute, per terms of Article 46 in the league's collective bargaining agreement. In relying on precedent, Robinson sought to differentiate between violent and nonviolent sexual conduct. Robinson concluded that Watson's conduct... Duck quote does not fall into the category of violent conduct that would require the minimum six game suspension, which the league had established as by far the most commu- uh, commonly imposed discipline for d- domestic or gendered uh, violence and sexual acts. Close quote. Uh, so handed down uh, very quickly, a lot of reactions and a lot of opinions uh, on both sides of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, my opinion about this. They they got this wrong.
1: Uh, well, she got this wrong. Well, yes. she got this wrong. I mean, that's yes.
0: that's my opinion about this. I, I think that the suspension given is definitely not fitting of the crime. It mm-hmm. should be longer. It should be very, very much longer. With 24 civil cases filed against, mm-hmm. th- there's more than smoke than fire, so to speak.
1: Right. and, and Or I where mean, there's smoke, there's fire. That's right. what I'm trying to say I mean, This is an unusual case, you know, just in the fact that, you know, the article on ESPN.com goes on to say uh, the ruling relied on 32 previous suspensions under the league's personal conduct policy since 2015. In 21 of those instances, the league suspended the player for six games, including the cases of Darius Geis and Johnny Manziel. Greg Hardy was suspended for four games. You know, there's also the instances with Ben Roethlisberger, who was suspended for six games, and then also Ezekiel Elliott, who was suspended for six games. But this is such an a unique, and, a, and I don't mean that in a good way, it's just unique in that it's abnormal compared to previous mm-hmm. instances where the sheer breadth and the sheer number of cases being brought against him. I mean, there were 25 civil lawsuits brought against him, one of which was dropped Because it was told to the person, the woman filing the lawsuit that she would have had to have made her name known publicly and she didn't want that. So she dropped it. So 24 were filed, you know, and then you have that on top of the New York Times speaking to 66 women who all had instances of contact with Deshaun Watson None of none of the previous I, I understand precedent. And when it comes to law, I know here in the United States this is the case overseas. I'm not I can't really say, you know, mm, I'm, I'm sure. not I'm not a study of, you know, German law or, or United Kingdom law or, or, you know, Russian law. You know, sorry, can't speak to that. But in terms of the United States law, which I can speak to precedent does matter. Judges in in determining, you know sentences and what the rulings and what should happen with a person if they are convicted of the crime they're accused of, they will turn to the law a lot. And you see lawyers turn to the law a lot. That's why whenever you watch a law TV show, like a law and order or, or whatever else they say, you know, and they're looking up a court, a court case for a client they've got. Oh, and I'm just random names out of my head. I'll give me Ken versus Padawan J. Give me coach Duffy versus rich and, and give me, uh, you know, it, international dog versus diesel. You know, because there's something that ties into that. There's precedent with that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I understand that she's looking at this from a, a lawyer or judge's perspective and a court of law perspective. Okay, what's the precedent? But this is such a different case than what they've had before. And she got it wrong. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you on this. I, I think that you hit it right on the head. This is such a weirdly unique case mm-hmm. for all the wrong reasons that precedent is. It doesn't really fit here, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the problem mm-hmm. because you have all these allegations filed against, and they've done their investigations, and and well, the and the well to a degree, to a degree, but let's just go for what it is. With all that has been filed, you can't exactly say. This felt this falls under there. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion. About
1: too this. too much of this was done behind closed doors because from you know, I was listening to the athletic football podcast talk about this, and they were talking to uh, the New York Times reporter who's been doing a bulk of this reporting, even from back when she was with Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. you know and and one of the things she brought up that I didn't know was that the hearing for this with Sue L Robinson took place over the course of three days. It was a closed door segment. Too much of this, in my opinion, was behind closed doors. Yeah. Like something like this, as long as it's gone on and as public as it's been, in every facet of of the media, not just the sports media, but like the regular news media in everyday life, sh- this should have been done in the public, you know, so that there is transparency and there's it doesn't feel like something's being hid behind closed doors. The other issue I have with this is that it's been reported that of the twenty four uh, civil women who filed civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, the NFL only spoke to like 10 or 12 of them. Yeah. That's, which that's a weird which thing with is them. a drop ball in the NFL's case. But I understand it from the aspect of the NFL doesn't have subpoena power. Yeah. Much like, you know, the federal government or the court of law, the court of law does the, you know, the NFL can tell somebody like, Hey, we want to talk to you. They don't have to answer, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I feel the NFL dropped the ball in that instance. And then I also feel they dropped the ball in that it was reported that in terms of the court case, the NFL only presented five women's testimonies to the court. But one of them had to be thrown out because the NFL didn't actually speak to her. So the judge only heard from four instances of these women, despite the fact that there's 24. Now, I understand some of the lawsuits have have been uh, settled. They still got filed. Sure. But the fact that the NFL only presented four women's cases to to the court hearing for this when there's 24 civil lawsuits that were filed and the New York Times has said that there were 66 women who came into contact with Deshaun Watson that is a gross miscarriage of due process
0: I agree with you pad I I just echo your statements like honestly you've you've hit it right on the head like this is just such an error of justice in my mm-hmm. opinion that you are sitting there and it does, doesn't feel like no. this, this makes any sense under any circumstance. Like, I understand you want to say precedent and you want to say about all that. Look, this is a unique case that we have never seen in this kind of level, to my knowledge. No. So how can you justify it based off something else? And especially like you touched upon, they, like I say, there was an investigation done, but was it thorough enough? Right. To, it, from our opinions, I think we we're both on the same page about this. No. So it wasn't done. In that No, level. that's that's our opinions. About I mean, this. In,
1: the, in the egregious thing, you know, and it's been brought up multiple times, but you know, you look at, at Calvin Ridley, who got suspended. Yeah, I was going to get to that. He got sus- he's suspended for this entire season for a fifteen hundred dollars gambling bet when he wasn't even playing. He was he was still a part of the team, but he was injured. He wasn't playing. You know, he's suspended for the the entire year. So the other thing of note is. He's has to forego his entire base salary for this year, so this man ain't getting paid shit outside of maybe a signing bonus or a roster bonus, mm-hmm. you know. So you get you got Deshaun Watson. Who, yeah, he's suspended six games without pay, but you know he's still got three hundred and twenty guaranteed million dollars. Yeah, so he's foregoing six games. Oh, oh boo! I'm losing three hundred and forty five thousand dollars. That's a fucking drop in the bucket for this guy. I would still be pissed, but not as much. I think maybe a little bit less if there was a there was some sort of fine involved with this. But the fact that it's oh you get suspended for six games and you don't have to pay any fines is egregious to me.
0: Well, the whole the whole way they came about the ruling is egregious. I mean, let's face it. This is something the NFL has never gotten right. Like you touched upon the situation with Greg Hardy. Yeah. That's another situation they haven't gotten right. They've never, in my opinion, they've never gotten this right when it comes to, you know, the type of sexual allegations that come about. They just, they drop mm-hmm. the ball yeah. consistently, in my opinion. You take a look at Calvin Ridley, like you mentioned. He's suspended a year. Yeah. Take a look at how many people have been suspended for marijuana. Uh-huh. And now that's legal on how many states? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You take a look at how they break down certain things, and to see that when it's a sexual allegation of this nature, it, the NFL just does not come through with a right decision.
1: The NFL fined uh, Ocho Cinco Calvin, or then Chad Johnson before he got his name changed, for having the Ocho Cinco, you know, uh, thing on the back of his jersey. It was it was a you know adhesive, you know whatever that stuff's called, you know, like you, you can just rip it off. Yeah. On the back of his jersey, he had it for pre because it was, you know, Spanish heritage Spanish heritage month and hey, I wanted to, uh, you know, the NFL's running ads and all this other stuff for Spanish Her- Spanish heritage month. Hey, I want to do something for that. I will have the name on the back of my jersey. He took it off before game time. He took it off before the national anthem. The NFL still find his ass. I I forget how much it was, but it was a couple of thousand dollars. They find people over socks. Yeah.
0: Like let's be honest we, about this.
1: We've got a guy with but yeah, we've got a guy with 24 civil lawsuits filed against him 66 women have, have come into contact with this and he's not getting fined a dime
0: it's a gre- it's, it's insulting it's insulting as a human being mm-hmm. that this shit is now allowed to go and you're right he's not even fined he got a slap on the wrist
1: he got a sl- he got a slap on the wrist let's be honest about this oh no he 100% got a he 100% got a slap on the wrist you know and then you also had you know, so, so she's essentially saying, "Oh, he didn't do anything wrong." You know, Watson is maintaining his innocence, but I'm sorry, I realize I don't study civil law and I'm not a lawyer, but to me, it seems a little suspect if you maintain your innocence and that you did nothing wrong, and yet you're still settling these lawsuits out of court and you're paying them money. You know, if if it were me personally and someone was accusing me of something and trying to bring me to court and I knew for 100% certainty it wasn't true mm-hmm. I'm fighting your ass to the bitter end yeah. to prove I didn't do anything wrong in a court of law I'm not dodging the court of law where facts and other instances of evidence can come out and prove me otherwise I'm not dodging that if I got if I got the evidence and I got the proof that I did nothing wrong sorry I'm dragging your ass to court and we're going to fight this out in the court of law you know so and then you you factor in uh, Sue L. Robinson ruled that Watson is, quote, to limit his massage therapy to club directed sessions That's such a fucking joke I'm and club approved massage therapists for the duration of his career. And so I impose this mandate as a condition to his re- uh, reinstatement. Fuck off with this shit. So he so you don't think he did anything wrong enough to warrant a longer suspension. And yet he's got to still to get cl- club mandated massages. What?
0: Like I say, this this is just such <laughs> an egregious look right on the NFL, and just this ruling is just it, it it's lingering over the entire league. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like this is such a joke of a punishment. Mm-hmm. No matter how you want to spin it, for what what has been done, and like I say, the NFL has had history that they've dropped the ball when it comes to sexual yeah. allegations and such. In my opinion, like uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's just you take a look at the track records that have come down, yeah. and then you look at comparisons. For Calvin Ridley, and then you take a look at situations for PEDs, and you take a look at situations for, you know, marijuana use. I
1: got one for you look at the situation surrounding trevor bauer in the major league baseball trevor bauer had allegations of sexual misconduct uh placed against him you had the major league baseball players association which i think we all know is one of the strongest in, in sports history mm-hmm. and major league baseball suspend his ass without pay now it wasn't for a duration time it kept getting extended 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 but his ass was suspended for two years and he lost out on 60 million dollars
0: yeah that's how you send the message
1: when rob manfred and major league baseball look stronger than you you done fucked up exactly
0: no i completely agree with you pat like this is just not the way that you want to be going into the first week of preseason with this kind of shit happening
1: and i'm sorry to the people who are sitting there saying well here why does he gotta serve his suspension he already served his time he sat out all of last year let's remember facts folks he wanted to get traded from the Houston Texans once they made the coaching hire. He didn't agree with it. He wanted it out of there. They weren't going to trade him because, hey, he's a really great quarterback. We want him on our roster. We want him playing for, for us. And then the news came out that the, about the allegations. And all the and all the uh, civil lawsuits. Then it came out. And then it became a real issue to play him with all this going on. Yeah, he no, he didn't sit out for a year at the start because of all this shit. He he sat out and wanted to get traded because he didn't like the coaching staff.
0: Mm-hmm. And ironically, the team that he was rumored to go to got in a little bit of trouble, but just <laughs> we'll get into that in just a sec. But I think to put a, a final piece on the Deshaun Watson thing because you nailed it right on the head pad like there honestly i would i just echo your statements about this completely the nfl screwed this up the court system screwed this up mhm there are so many fingers to point that they screwed this up that when they look at everything in the off seasons they really got to look at themselves and say we got to get this shit right
1: well and the, and this is going to be the issue is you know as of this recording the nfl has not announced whether it's going to file an appeal or not and this is going to again Precedent matters in these law ca- in these court cases. This is going to set precedent whether the NFL f- f- files uh appeal about this. Because hy- hypothetically, we get to another situation down the road where another thing, you know, another arbiter brings this in and they look at it. They look at the whole same process and they come out with with a decision that the NFL likes, but the players' association doesn't like. Well, based on what the NFL does now, you are setting the precedent for what either side down the row wants to do, whether they like the decision or not.
0: So hopefully they make the right decision, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you brought up another team uh, that was rumored to be interested uh, in Deshaun Watson services and a bit of shit, uh, and that would be the one Miami Dolphins. Uh, As was reported, uh, and I'm reading from an article on ESPN.com, reads quote: The NFL notified the Miami Dolphins on Tuesday that the team would be stripped of its 2023 first-round pick, among other disciplinary measures for violations of league policies relating to the integrity of the game. Following a six-month investigation, the league found the Dolphins, primarily team owner Stephen Ross and vice chairman slash limited partner Bruce Beal, violated the anti-tampering policy on three occasions from 2019 to 2022 in conversations with quarterback Tom Brady and the agent for then-New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton. The NFL, however, found no evidence that the team intentionally lost games during the 2019 season. In February, former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores said in his lawsuit alleging racism in the league's hiring practices that Ross attempted to incentivize him to tank or purposely lose games shortly after he was hired in 2019, with Ross allegedly offering Flores $100,000 for every loss that season. Flores alleged that the team uh, won games late in the season, Uh, Dolphins general manager Chris Greer told him Ross was mad that the on-field success was compromising the team's draft position. In addition to the first-round pick, the Dolphins will also forfeit their 2024 third-round selection. Ross, meanwhile, was fined $1.5 million and suspended through October 17th, during which time he isn't permitted to be at the Dolphins facility or represent the team at any team event. He also can't attend any league meeting before the annual meeting in 2023. Beal was fined $500,000 and isn't permitted to attend any league meetings for the rest of the 2022 season, uh, close quote. You know,
0: where do we begin here?
1: You fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up. You know, the ownership, first
0: and foremost, if you're losing draft picks of this magnitude, That's a big sign. Mm -hmm. That's a huge one. Then let alone the fine, I'm sorry, is another drop in a bucket to uh, somebody that owns a sport team. Yeah. So, like, the fine is a joke, in my opinion. This is absolutely insulting as a fan. That you sit here and you're doing tampering, Mm -hmm. the, the allegations about, you know, picks and such, or, I mean, wins and losses. Like, I'm sorry. This is... Something that if you're trying to be a fan and you're trying to root behind a team and they're doing shit like this, this is absolutely mind-blowing to me.
1: It sucks and it's it's a drop ball for sure, but I think what the issue comes down to is it's the lettering of the CBA that you know, you've got in the CBA instances of, okay, if X happens, here's what you do. If Y happens, here's what you do. It it, it sucks, but ultimately what came down to being discussed and, and laid out in the CBA. I, I agree with you 100% that it's a drop in the bucket for Steven Ross and the fact that you tampered you know with a quarterback and a head coach who were still – that's the thing is this wasn't all oh, – if they weren't under contract, there'd be no issue. Tom Brady was still being paid – by the new, uh, not the New England Patriots, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when these phone calls were made, mm. Sean Payton, while yeah, he had was considering retiring or had retired, you know, quote unquote, he was still under contract with the New Orleans Saints, so he was still a paid employee. If if I'm the owner of the you know, da, uh, if at NBA, if I'm the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, I can't go call you know the Minnesota Timberwolves if their head coach decides to retire, but he's still got a year under contract. I just can't do it. And that's tampering. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have known this. You should have fucking known better. And the fact that you wouldn't thought you wouldn't get caught about this. Fucking come on.
0: Well, that's what I say. As a fan, this is insulting because we sit here and we always talk about the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an equal playing field. And, you know, this is supposed to be the greatest sport in North America. Mm-hmm. And then you get shit like this. And granted, as a Bills fan, I'm ecstatic they lost their picks. Oh, I'm not going to cracking.
1: I'm cracking up myself.
0: I'm loving every minute of this. But at the same time, this is a drop in the bucket. Is anything really gonna happen from this? Because like in a weird sense, this reminds me of the Houston Astros. Yeah. In a weird sense. Yeah. Because you know what? You're sitting here, you're supposed to really get down with the games, and then all of a sudden these allegations come out, and then you're talking about tampering. So what does that affect really on your players and your team? I mean, like, it,
1: that's that's the way I look at it. It's it's really not gonna affect the players. It's not gonna affect the team because oh, darn shucks, Steven Ross can't be at any team functions until October seventeenth. Okay, she can't schmoz it up with you know some of the season ticket holders and you know any sponsor representatives. Like okay, whatever. And and oh, shucks, he can't be at any league functions. They don't meet again until fucking next year. Like who the fuck cares? Well,
0: no. What I mean by this is like the way I look at it is like if I know an owner is doing some real shifty stuff like this, sure. Then if that's my team, and I'm going like, well, what are they doing with the coaching staff? Like so, mm-hmm. if we lose, if we lose something really bad, like if something looks really funny. Was something involved with it. That's how I sure, look at it. Sure. So that's why I'm saying like as a fan because I'm sitting here going like if you have all these allegations, the fact that you thought you were going to get away with this in this day and age.
1: Yeah, where it's real easy to like notify someone without, you know it, it ain't the days past where it was like snail mail. You had to send a letter and then I had to go to a sorting facility and then the, 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 like, no, you can email somebody in within minutes like, hey, I just heard insert owner name here mm-hmm. talking to, you know insert head coach name here and you can send that shit off to any any reporter for any network, and it's going to get out. Exactly. It's so easy these days. And that's the thing.
0: Plus, I mean, look how many players have burner accounts. Yeah. So you're trying to tell me owners don't have it either? Yeah. I mean, they got stuff that they that when this stuff comes out, like you have to look at it and go, how is this impacting my team? And that's one thing that, you, that really drives me nuts. And like I said, I have no sympathy for Miami. I'm not a Miami fan. The fact they're crashing and burning here, I'm down for. But at the same time, I also feel for fans that you want to put the honesty in your team and saying that you know every time they go on the field, it's for the right reason. Every business decision is for mm-hmm. the betterment of the team. Yeah. So if you're sitting here doing all this nonsense and now you got caught into this level, yeah, that's a bad look. Uh-huh. That's a bad look top to bottom. This is a situation that I don't think anybody in the NFL wants to deal with no. when the attention should be. Let's talk about Thursday.
1: Well, and especially with the Dolphins, who let's face it, they've been shit since Marino retired. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and they haven't had any real success since the fucking perfect season. Sorry, folks, it is what it is. When your main calling card and your main boasting card is we had a perfect season, but mm-hmm. that was fucking forty some odd years ago. You know, I think on the surface we'll go looking to see Okay, the Dolphins have Tyree Kill. They've got Tua, who in practice is looking pretty good. You know, he, allegedly he is dropping some dimes into Tyree Kill and stride. You know, so on the surface, the NFL should be excited about the Dolphins being back because, hey, they're one of the longest franchises we've had and storied franchises and Don Shula, Dan Marino, perfect this, that, and the other. But then you've got this shit coming out. Yeah. And it's it's a black eye on them.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think just to kind of sum this segment up, this is probably the worst way the NFL could open. One of them, I should say. Yeah. The fact that we should be talking about the players, we should be talking about expectations, we should be really talking about we're going to see the first – series of how the new Raiders offense is looking against the Jacksonville team that, well, is Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, hey, Urban Meyer ain't there. It's an improvement.
0: Yeah, but instead we're talking about how the court system really fucked up a sexual case that you can say it's unprecedented, but this is a situation where powers of be should have done the right thing and they didn't, in my opinion. You're also looking at an ownership group that tried getting away with some fast stuff and that granted them, I'm sure this happens all the time, they got caught. Did the punishment really fit the crime? No. No. I'm sorry. A, a million-dollar fine to somebody that owns a billion-dollar team? I mean, you take a look at how much that franchise is worth, and you're really going to say mm-hmm. a million dollars is really going to set an, set an example? No, you got to come swifter with it. But that's the problem when you do sports and you do business. It's a weird fucking thing. I'm sorry. It is absolutely insane to me to see about how much shit gets away for doing this, and it's all because it's a business, in my opinion. Like I say, it's a weird thing to sit here and watch and try being excited about as a fan, and that's why I say I just hope the NFL does better. They start doing the right things. You need to set a better example because if you're going to be that franchise that everybody is watching and everybody is rallying around and you want to keep your fan base around, you need to set a better example. And I'm sorry. like If you think that you can just get away with this stuff and you know people just forget about it, sadly it's not going to happen.
1: Look at, the, look at the Houston Astros. It's been how many years since they got busted for cheating? Uh, and winning a World Series, and people still shit on him
0: for it. Yeah, just wait till that first game. Deshaun Watson is back with Cleveland.
1: <coughs> Excuse me, which, uh, side note, uh, that is Week 7 in Baltimore. Yeah. is going to be
0: loud. As they should be, because this is an absolute egregious case, and there's literally nothing else to do but file that appeal.
1: Yeah, which, again, they have until 9 a.m. Thursday Eastern uh, to file the appeal, in which case it goes to Roger Goodell or his designee.
0: Yes, which that's why I say. They got to do the right thing because, I'm sorry, to have an example like this get set, and this is going to be what is talked about this entire preseason going into week one, mm-hmm. is absolutely abysmal. The Dolphins thing is messy too, but when you start taking a look at this, the Deshaun Watson thing is going to be hovering around everybody. For the owners, they got to do better, top to bottom. And I'm sorry, when this stuff is happening and you have tampering and you get fine draft picks, this is a big deal. But I think they got to come swifter with their punishments about this because if you really want this stuff to stop, you gotta set the you have to set the bar somewhere. So that being said, we gave you some NFL talk we were not planning on doing this week. And man, I hope we don't have to do this again sometime soon. But in that meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod, Deshaun Watson, Miami Dolphins ownership. What's your thoughts? Let's talk about it, shall we? And are you excited for this week's preseason game? Let's talk about it, shall we? Hashtag ODPHPod. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. <coughs>
2: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sidewind Sounds, and you're listening to ODPH podcast. Wanna go where no know, one knows my name? To the desert, the oceans, or the plains?
0: I wanna go... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad. What you
1: got? Got to talk a little local minute uh, because looking at the Binghamton Rumble pony schedule from this past week, uh, they had a one, two, three, four, five, six game series against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Won their game on Tuesday by the final score of eight to two. Lost their game on Wednesday by the final score of six to one. Lost, goddamn, lost their game on Thursday by the final score of 17 to eight. (laughs) Jesus. Came back on Friday. uh, Won their game 12 to eight. Lost their game on Saturday by the final score of five to four and then lost their game on Sunday by the final score of 9-6. to uh, Looking ahead to this coming week, uh, they are on the road this week with a six-game series against the Somerset Patriots. Uh, which is the double A affiliate of the New York Yankees. So it's a double A subway series. Uh, Game on Tuesday is 6.05 Eastern. Uh, Wednesday is at 11.05 Eastern. Mm -hmm. Thursday is 7.05 Eastern. Friday is also 7.05. Saturday is 7.05. And Sunday is 5.05 Eastern. Uh, They do return, however, home, however, next week for a six-game series against Altoona. Uh, For more information and tickets and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. Uh, and then switching over to the Major League Baseball because today, as we record, was the Major League Baseball trade deadline. 6 p.m. has come and gone. So all trades that are were filed before 6 p.m. are done and finalized. I'm going to go be through some of them because if I went through all of them, we'd probably be here for like a half hour. Yeah. It's a
0: whole different ball ball game right there.
1: It's a whole different ball game. Couple of ones that got in right at the deadline, right at the shot clock, I guess you could say was about to hit zero. Uh, the New York Yankees traded pitcher Jordan Montgomery to the St. Louis Cardinals for outfielder Harrison, uh, Bader. This one, a little bit surprising, but as I'll get to in a little bit, kind of made sense with some of the deals they, they made, uh, they had a roster spot they needed to make available. And well, they made a roster spot available, uh, Harrison Bader, according to Joel Sherman from the New York post is currently on the DL or excuse me, uh, injured list, uh, with, uh, plantar fasciitis, which is something I can, uh, I can attest to not fun. Had that myself. Uh, so fills a spot a spot for a move I will get to in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies uh, signed, uh, acquired Noah Syndergaard from the uh, Angels.
0: Yeah, talk about fall from grace, in my opinion.
1: Well, fall from grace, but it's an upgrade. Honestly, it's an upgrade. It's an for upgrade him. for the Phillies. Well, it's an upgrade for the Phillies, and it's an upgrade for him because he goes from the fourth place. Uh, la angels which are currently uh, 43 and 59 23 games out of first place hilariously out of the wild card spot they're like they don't even factor into like I'm looking at MLb.com uh, for their standings and under wild card. like they don't even factor into the wild card no they're there They are 11 games out of the wild card spot. Uh, on the flip side, though, and I was I was kind of wondering, I'm like, why the hell is he going to the Phillies? Like the Phillies, I thought were kind of dead and in the water, given how bad they were because they fired Joe Girardi earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies currently 55 and 47, 10 games out of first place, so probably not catching you know the first place uh, New York Mets for the division. However, when you flip it over to the wild card standings, they are in one of those coveted first three spots for the wild card. Uh, so the Phillies are technically in the playoffs right now when it comes to the wild card. So I'm like, oh, okay. In that instance, I get it a
0: little bit. It makes a little more sense with that. But yeah. like I say, Syndergaard is not the Syndergaard of old. No. So that's why I say it's a little bit of fall from grace yeah. for him.
1: Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies also made some moves acquiring former New York Yankees right-handed relief pitcher David Robertson uh, from the Chicago Cubs and outfielder Brandon Marsh from the LA Angels. So I'm definitely picking up some folks they might need for down the road. Uh, the one everyone was waiting on for and kind of the big domino they were waiting for fall finally fell. Uh, The San Diego Padres have acquired superstar outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals. Uh, They have sent uh, left-handed pitcher McKenzie Gore, outfielder Robert Hassel III, shortstop CJ Abrams, outfielder James Woods, right-handed pitcher uh, Jarlin Susana, and Luke Voigt are headed to Washington. It was noted at one point, and this is why it got a little interesting, it was noted at one point that Eric Hosmer of the San Diego Padres was scheduled to go to uh, the Washington Nationals in this deal, and I say scheduled because the man's got a full no-trade clause. Well, not a full no-trade clause. He's got a partial no-trade clause, uh, and he was adamant, and the teams wanted to get, the, the and by teams I mean the Padres and the Nationals, wanted to get this deal done by noon because they had to do physicals and they had to exchange that stuff. And if the deal fell through, they didn't think they'd be able to get it done in time with physicals and all that by the deadline of 6 p.m. Uh, well, the deal almost fell through because Eric Cosmer said, fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm not waiving my no trade clause. I'm not going to this deal. Uh, so the the Nationals decided to being the petty folks they are decided to go fuck you in return. Uh, and he, after he rejected a deal to Washington. Uh, they did trade him to one of the teams he had on his trade list, and that being the Boston Red Sox. Interesting. Uh, so they're acquiring him from San Diego. Uh, San Diego, according to ESPN, will be paying down a significant portion of the forty-four million dollars remaining on Hosmer's contract. So yeah, you've but now the big deal though is you've got Juan Soto in San Diego with Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. Is looking, uh, listen, on paper it looks good. But so did Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Malone, and Gary Payton. Yeah, exactly. And we know how that went.
0: Soto is an interesting character because, you know what, when you turn down that much money from Washington. Yeah. And yeah. say what you will, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. A lot of fucking money. You're banking on going somewhere that was going to pay you more. hmm Now, granted, going to San Diego right now is not the worst idea in the world. No, on paper. On paper, sense. but still, you got to deal with the Dodgers. They're still going to be prominent. Yeah. And you still have to work on your pitching, in my opinion. Yeah. So,
1: you
2: do. you I don't do. know.
0: I mean, this is, for some weird reason, this reminds me of Baltimore in like the early 2000s. Kind of. Like when, when they had all the bats in the lineup yeah. and they had no pitching. Yeah. Kind of same vibe I'm getting.
1: Kind of. Uh, the LA Dodgers were among one of the teams, final three teams, uh, interested in acquiring Juan Soto. Uh, they did not acquire Juan Soto, obviously, but they did acquire uh, outfielder Joey Gallo from the New York Yankees. Uh, surprised they were able to deal with Gallo because, as bad as he's been, I didn't think anybody would want him. Uh, but hey, we got uh, the Yankees did in return get a uh, prospect, a minor league prospect from the Dodgers. Uh, it was a relief pitcher, I believe, and don't remember the name, but I do remember he is their fifteenth ranked prospect in the Dodgers organization so the fact that they got somebody in the top fucking 20 listen it's an I don't care what grade ESPN or anybody wants to give this trade the Yankees got back a top, top 20 prospect from the Dodgers for Joey fucking Gallo it's a fucking win
0: Gallo burned out in the Bronx yeah they had to move him one way or another so this is a win-win like the fact we got actually somebody that's relatively mm-hmm. young and going to prosper into somebody like listen that's fine like yeah. Gallo nothing against him but just Certain people can play in the Bronx. Certain yeah. people can, and yeah. obviously it's it's turning out that uh, might not you, have been the case for him. Yeah, exactly. This was like a Jeff Weaver situation. Yeah, just gonna put that out there.
1: Uh, and then you also had the Atlanta Braves uh, acquired veteran right-hander Jake Odorizzi from the Houston Astros uh, for relief pitcher Will Smith. So you got a couple flopping of pitchers there. Uh, The Yankees, and this is the one earlier I referred to, they needed to make a roster spot, and this is how they made the roster spot for this gentleman. Uh, The Yankees are adding right-handed starter Frankie Montas and closer Lou Trevino in a trade with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Montas is supposed to be pretty good. I'm not familiar with the gentleman, but from some of the Twitter accounts I follow, they were saying he could be our number two starter when it comes playoff time, which I'm like, hey, if he's consistent and he can pitch well, well, I'll for him.
0: I just hope it doesn't turn into a sunny Gray situation. Yeah, yeah. and, and That's well, what worries me.
1: Lou Trevino, again, don't know anything about him. But, hey, uh, you know, the Yankees need all the bullpen help they can get. Uh Aroldis Chapman's place in the bullpen is sliding further and further down. I did notice last night uh, while I was watching the game, he got brought in in the seventh inning uh, where he had been getting brought in kind of like the eighth inning. So he's not the Aroldis Chapman of old. So they definitely needed some help in the bullpen. And, hey, maybe Lou Trevino is going to be uh, able to give that. going to be real confusing, though, now. There's two Trevinos on the Yankees.
0: Yeah, it's going to be something a little confusing. But it was involving Chapman, though, I mean, when you throw fastballs and that's your only go-to. Yeah. Eventually, well, he's got a splitter, it, he's
1: got a splitter too, but it's not that
0: good, right? But we're not talking like Mariano level, like, that's, yes, that's yes. there there's a difference yes. in that. So, uh,
1: also of note, the Houston Astros have acquired first baseman outfield slash outfielder Trey Mancini from the Baltimore Orioles. Definitely got the surprise uh, he went to Houston, although everyone figured his time in Baltimore was up because he had his last at bat in Baltimore the other day, he got a standing ovation. But hey, uh, good on the Astros for picking up a really good player.
0: Surprising, yeah. I mean, but for Houston, well, you know. hmm Yeah, I guess whatever. Yeah, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: also of note for the Yankees, they acquired right-handed reliever Scott Effress, uh, from the Chicago Cubs in exchange for a minor league pl- uh, right-hander. Again, don't know much about uh, Scott Afros, but hey, you are a reliever and we need relief help right now. So welcome to the team it works uh the seattle mariners landed star pitcher luis castillo from the cincinnati reds in exchange for a couple of uh, one two three four minor leaguers uh listen seattle's going all in they have not made the playoffs since like 2001 i think maybe Mm -hmm. maybe 2002 it's been 20 some odd years uh so they're going all in they got a real good team Uh, now if houston can just stop plunking them because yeah that's not a good look
0: Definitely not a good look, so just kind of the way to wait see what they do. But listen, that's one thing about the trade deadline. You can make a run for somebody, and maybe they'll get you over the hump to get you yeah. in the playoffs.
1: Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, was one of the first kind of major deals that um, jumped out to us was they added all-star outfielder and former Boston Red Sox legend Andrew yeah. Andrew Benatendi, who had been with the Kansas City Royals. Uh, so, hey, welcome to the team.
0: Yeah, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that one. Like... Let's see if it pans out. I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Sure. I mean, he's been playing good in Kansas City, but then against Kansas City. Yeah. And, you know, obviously when you've been through the Boston-New York wars. Uh, yeah.
1: Like I said, Boston Red Sox legend.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see how this all shapes hey, he, up.
1: He's a consistent outfielder. Obviously, you got Judge and Stanton. You know, Gallo was fucking shit. I'm sorry. Like, no disrespect to the guy, but when your batting average goes that low and, you're, and you've got, like, two hits in your last – 30-some-odd fucking at bats. sorry, you suck. And then Hicks is a little inconsistent, you know, so they needed something consistent in the outfield, and, hey, uh, hopefully Ben Attendee gives it to them.
0: They, no, they, they address the need, and that's the one thing that we got to take away from it. Cashman knows what he's doing, except why we haven't re-signed Judge yet is beyond me. So that's going to be the number one priority in the offseason, and if they don't do it, uh, expect us to have a very, very obscenity-filled ODPH when Probably. that happens. Oh, when that happens. Uh, so for my base, I'm just going to kind of talk a little AEW wrestling. I mean, obviously, we started with WWE, but AEW has got a show coming on. Obviously, one of their specials is happening this Wednesday as we record, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TBS, and it is the Quake by the Lake. So, one Seriously? Thing, yes, that's what they're going with. Cause okay. Uh, so it's one of the situations where, obviously, when they do their uh, mid-season show like specials, because yeah. they don't do all monthly pay-per-views, right. this is supposed to be considered on that level. So... The card is reading as announced, courtesy of the fine folks at AEWPR. Matt Hardy is taking on Christian Cage. Kay. Thunderstorm, which is Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, are oh. tagging up against Britt Baker and Jamie Hader. Uh, I'm already going to call this because I called this in blogs kind of anywhere. Tony Storm turns on Thunder Rosa and thus setting up the match for Battle of the Belts 3, which is supposed to take place Saturday.
1: I will say that's a good team name, though. It is a good I te- gotta give it to him. Good team name. It is a good team name, but I'm I'm like I'm still on the
0: fence of like what they're going to wind up doing here eventually. Because the only other shot is maybe Jamie Hader gets in there for a title shot. I don't know. But I'll, I digress. That's a whole different special that we'll be talking about. The Undisputed Elite return. So Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly are coming back. Now they're not in ring, but they're going to be coming back and obviously they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. So waiting to see what happens here. It might be something announced for the Trios titles that have been announced at all out that we're going to have new champions there so six man tags mm-hmm. orange Cassidy is taking on jay lethal powerhouse hobbs is going to be in action a dumpster match now you're probably asking what is a dumpster match and i'm going to say it's exactly what you think it is and if you saw the segment on AEW rampage i was not a fan of this they did a rap battle that's supposed to be eight mile-esque with Ugh. with the acclaimed in the gun club
1: that's hard to live up to that expectation
0: max caster great yeah. Whichever one of the gun children was doing it, awful. Uh, and I'm sorry, they, they did this whole thing where he fake stuttered like he got s- shook on stage. Yeah. And he started stuttering stuttering and stuttering. Yeah. It was awful. It was bad. Uh, like, I don't care. I, I know I took some heat I on love, Twitter I love, from some trolls, and I don't even give a shit.
1: I love the inspiration, but no, just don't try to live up to that.
0: No, it was awful. It was trash. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it out there. Like, it was supposed to be. Caster knows what he's doing. The other ones just looked uncomfortable. So this is kind of going to be the culmination of their feud. So I guess somebody's going in a dumpster. But the main event for this night is one that's a little bit interesting because obviously we know CM Punk is out with injury. John Moxley is the interim champion. And what they have set up is this is going to be a title contender for Moxley Okay. because Chris Jericho came out last week during Dynamite and said he wanted his rematch uh, mm-hmm. against Moxley, so they set it up. But he also got kind of worked by Wheeler Yuta of the Blackpool Combat Club so now that they are going to face each other and the winner is going to get a shot at Moxley's interim world title. So I'll be honest, I have no interest in seeing Jericho face Moxley. I think Yuta at this stage being a full-fledged member of the BCC could be an interesting dynamic, but we've seen it happen before. So we'll have to wait to see how this one unfolds, but all this is scheduled to go down live on TBS Network Wednesday, Wednesday. August 3rd, hmm. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then this leads right into the Battle of the Belt special, which I did talk about on Blocks Count Anywhere very quickly. I have a feeling this is how the card is going to shape up. We do know that Claudio is going to be defending the Ring of Honor title against Takshita. They always have a AEW women's title match on there, so that's right. why I said Thunder Rose is going to be defending it. That's why I say my guess is going to be against Tony Storm because I could see them doing that, and I could see them doing N New. And they always have the TNT title defended on there. So Wardlow... My guess is going to be facing Jay Lethal, and I think this all comes out of this Wednesday night leading into Saturday night. So definitely something to keep in uh, track of if you're watching AEW. I mean, they've got a lot of uphill work to do, in my opinion, obviously coming uh, up against the Triple H regime for WWE, but it's nothing overcomable. Just I'm going to tell everybody that listens to AEW, that listens to the ODPH, focus on your own house. Don't worry about what WWE is doing. Listen, make the best card that you have with the talent you have, and everything will be okay. So, that being said, Pat, the music you heard at the beginning of the show, that's Brian Wolf. But we have a special treat for listeners. Ooh. Closing the show is the brand new song, Sometimes, from Second Suitor. Now, Second Suitor has got a big August planned out. They're actually out touring a little bit right now. So, you can catch them live. Definitely go catch them live. But Tyler Reed is going to be tagging up with his cousin Sean Carr to take on Garrett Holiday and Axel Lennox at Sooter Slam 2, taking place at the X in Johnson City, New York. So it's going to be a live show. Sooter's going to play. There's a couple more bands down there. I think there's some about comedy as well, too. But the major thing is there's going to be a wrestling match. So if you want to get in the door, it's $8. And for more information about that, check Second Sooter's social media. But more importantly, on the 12th, not only do you get Sooter Slam 2, you get the brand new album. Mm. So, Pat, where do I go find out about all this?
1: odphpodcast.com.
0: Right on. Swing it over to the music section. Go check it out. Check out the amazing groups that are on there, such as Shout at the Robots, Yard Party, Floodlands, and Tom Jolu, and all the amazing people that give us their music. Like, seriously, we can't say thank you enough. But while you're at the website, check out the Parlay Points blog section, which, like I said, the brand-new Blogs count anywhere is up there. I've been right on my predictions about AEW lately, so listen, let's see if I'm right about my card. If I am, hey, Tony Khan, hook us up with some tickets. We definitely want to go front row. Uh, I know you're coming upstate, so we definitely will make an appearance down there, maybe. Just maybe. But, uh, Pad, also we have the website. We have a directory. So how many providers are we on? 802,000. Sounds about right to me. So we are growing every day. And if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know. We'll try fixing that. We also have a classified section, which has friends of the show, such as F, or 3FN Podcast. I'm so used to saying 8122 Productions. It just rolls off the tongue. But the brand is now 3FN Podcast, so you definitely want to shout out to them and their big things they got going on. Dragon Master Games. Off the Cuff Gaming, which definitely uh, has got some big things going on as well. Organizational Link Support and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in. So shout out to the Apocalypse. And of course, shout out to the 607 Podcast. All of that, to T Public Store. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one and only, Padawan J, Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. I'm thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time.
2: I turn into a ghost, or am I dreaming? Between our toes while we still can The sea of sharks scares me more on dry land The world don't need another band But I don't care I'm not going anywhere And sometimes we rise Sometimes we fall Sometimes I start to question If I'm anything at all Sometimes we fly, sometimes we crawl I'll always have a reason